Hey there, this is Red Zone Redemption, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Roto Heat Network. Make sure you follow us on your preferred podcasting network. We should be on there. And this is your host, FF Shane B. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome in to another episode of Red Zone Redemption. I'm your host for the night, Shane, and I am joined by my good friend, who I've missed dearly. It's been a while since we've been together, but he is also one of your rotating guests, hosts here, and that is Mr. Nate Polvote, who I'm going to try and do this off the top of my head, so Nate, you'll have to fill in the blanks, is a contributor for IBT Media, In Between Media, Fantasy Pros, Player Profiler, now, congratulations, Coming Off the Edge, 32 and 32 in NFL laps. Did you say trophy smack? I did not. Trophy smack also. Yeah, that's a lot, man. It is. And I swear we always make the joke that it's a lot, but you've added more. And it's funny because at the beginning of the season, I was like, okay, I'm not adding anything new. But then this opportunity with player profiler came up. And I'm the new dynasty writer for Razball. <laughs> of course you are. Of course I am. I did their show on Sunday morning. Did start sits. That was fun. The guys, Jen and I both. Jen's writing for Raspball too. I think I knew that. Yeah, because yeah. you shared a you shared an article of hers with me. So yeah, she's also the assistant managing editor there now. Nice on the football side. So Very yeah, nice. we're just getting out there, man. It's all we do all day. I mean, I might as well roll all this football knowledge into something, right? Yeah, absolutely. Might as well. How are you, buddy? Good. Tired, man. It's a grind during the season. But it's totally worth it. I love it. It's football. Stoked to be here to talk to you about it tonight. It's been too long. It has been. I am happy you are here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as we will do waivers, we will do starts and sits, and then we'll do some trade talk. But before, we're going to kick that off with our new question that we start every episode with, and that is, what is one fantasy tip that can save your season? And Nate, I feel like you and Jen... We're one of the first people to do these, so we're throwing it back to you. What's one tip at this point in the season that can save your fantasy season? Get bold. Don't be afraid to make a weird move. People get so focused on winning trades that they forget that as long as it's good for their team, both sides can win, and that's completely okay. If you're solid at running back and you're looking at the running back class next season, you're like, I'm okay without having a first. I'm willing to give that up to get a quarterback that can make my team better. Do it. And if you're a contender, go out and get a veteran. Go get a guy, Matthew Stafford. I mean, realistically, he probably has two or three more seasons left, which is good. But he can help you now. Don't be, don't look at his age and say, I don't want to pay up for this guy if you can win now. It's always worth it. Youth sometimes gets a little bit overrated in Dynasty because... Look, if every NFL team did that, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> oh, dude. Tom Brady would have been out of the league 15 years ago. Good God, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, And really, when you think about it, when we're playing Dynasty, that's kind of what we're doing. Like, We're playing pretend GM. So yeah. Be smart about the moves you make. So don't be afraid to get bold. There are a lot of leagues I'm in that I know there are things I can pull off because people are so focused on youth that I can make my team better without really hurting myself long-term. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually, would, we'll talk about it later in the show, my motivation for a trade that we're going to review later was I knew I was contending and I needed some serious depth, so I made a trade for some players that I normally wouldn't in Dynasty, especially with this league, so we'll talk about that later. My tip for right now in the season is specifically kind of redraft-focused, but stay active, especially if you're 0 and 4 or 1 and 3. And the reason I say that is last year in my home league Carolina league with Jay, I started the season 1 and 6. I finished 7 and 7 and made the playoffs and then made it to the second round. So, you can always make trades, you can always make moves and stay active on the waiver wire to have your season completely turn around. It's going to take some luck here and there, and I definitely got lucky in a couple games, but that's what fantasy football is too. There's a luck component. So 
Dude, if this was all skill, I would be so screwed. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. My wife has picked Patrick Mahomes, like, I think every year in our home league, and she's made the playoffs two out of three years, and I have not. So what does that tell you? All right, I'll answer that. She's better at fantasy football than you. Thanks. So is yours, so. Well, yeah, that's... Well noted, Shane. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. All right, let's move on to some waivers. Uh, I feel like there are some good waiver pickups, but I kind of like the route that we ended up taking. You're going to hear on all the shows the same four or five guys every week, and so I want to try and bring you some players that maybe you're not necessarily thinking of, and I think Nate and I accomplished that with what's on the show sheet. So, Nate, if you will start us off, who is your make or break, your big money guy that you're going to go spend 20% of your fab or your waiver priority on this week. So, I mean, let's be honest. Waivers are ugly right now. Every position's just not looking great. However, there's a top 12 player at their position that is only rostered in 3% of Yahoo leagues, 2% of ESPN leagues and 5% of sleeper leagues. Pretty astounding. It's the Seahawks. Will Disley. I understand it's insane that he is, first of all, the tight end nine, but the guy has three touchdowns through their first four games, and he separated himself from Noah Fant last week. He's caught all 12 targets he's gotten this season. What's cool about Disley is people still aren't looking at him because there's this preconception that Seattle runs the ball more than they pass. This that's true historically, but this season, Shane, this season, the Seattle Seahawks are eighth in the NFL in pass play percentage. Wow. Geno Smith is completing 77.3 of his passes thus far in the season. He's been ridiculous. And him and Disney seem to have this connection, like red zone connection. Yeah. Geno Smith, fans going to get some touchdowns too. Yeah, it's inevitable. He's a talented tight end. But this is finally an offense where there's actually a quarterback who can spread the ball. And we're seeing a tight end benefit for the first time in, I feel like, years since Jimmy Graham was in Seattle. This is the first time we've had a rosterable tight end. I would spend 20% of my fab on him if I need a tight end. If I missed out on Kelsey or Andrews, we're at a point where everybody past them is almost a dart throw. Guys like Daniel Bellinger are even relevant at this point. Guy's a rookie. Rookies never do this. He, I'll spend 20% of my fab on him. That's my cap. But I can't think of it. I really can't think of another free agent I'd be willing to spend. I couldn't either. This was honestly the category that I struggled with the most. I think the next category that we'll talk about after I give my player, there's some easier players to stomach in that range. But I could not think of anybody that I was like, I have to have them. And that's why I texted you. I, I won't spoil who you who I texted you to put on the show sheet, but I was like, I know he's going to be a popular waiver wire, but I, I can't force myself to spend 20% of my fab on him. He so, was going to be a popular waiver wire player. Yeah. So let's jump into my guy's Corey Davis. I don't hate this one. I'm shocked by that, this actually, one. because I know you hate his quarterback, but he's on, he's rostered in 29% of sleeper leagues. of ESPN and 25% of Yahoo. And I'm comfortable spending 25 or not 25, 20% of my fab on him. He has a connection with Zach Wilson that I don't understand necessarily, but he's also currently got 10 targets, four targets, five targets, and then seven targets in every, in the games this season. He's only got one game under 70 yards. And he has two touchdowns so far. And I think with Zach Wilson being back, that number will stay consistent because of the connection that they have. So even though Zach Wilson may not be great and he may limit the rest of the offense, Corey Davis will only benefit. So I am very comfortable going to spend 20% on him because he's a flex option from here on out. I don't hate it. Last week he had 17.9 PPR points. Like, okay. Five catches, seven targets, 74 yards, touchdown. If he's going to be efficient, I mean, we're talking about guys that really, you're not starting him as your wide receiver one. Yeah, exactly. Even your wide receiver two more than likely, unless you're really hurting. 
as a flex play, I have zero issue with Corey Davis moving forward. You're right, Shane. I do not like Zach Wilson. But, I mean, what is I mean, I just don't get what is it. He was 18 of 36. Yeah. And, like, you can't make the excuse that, like, oh, he's rusty. He played through training camp. Supposedly, he looked amazing, even though some people said Flacco looked better. He had last season, like, for another day. Corey Davis still has value. He's a guy who's he's going to get targets. He did last season with Wilson, too. It's just a matter of fact. So you're looking for a flex play. You're desperate. He's maybe more of a spot start because like I'm not starting Corey Davis against Miami this week. No way. Not happening. Miami is going to have to ask Rick because Zach Wilson won't be able to get the ball down the field at all. Yeah. This is a Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore game. Maybe a little bit of Garrett Wilson, but I'm worried about Garrett Wilson. And then you've got Green Bay. Denver, if they can put it together, has a good secondary. And New England hasn't been bad. And Buffalo, before they get the bye week in week 10, horrible schedule. Yeah. But Corey Davis could still have, because they use Corey Davis in some of that trick stuff too. Like, Yeah. No, I feel good about him as a flex, but nothing more than that. Like, and getting him for 20% of your fab is probably worth it. He honestly probably should have been drafted, so I'm shocked that he's low as low as he is, but oh well. All right, let's move on to the next section, and that's 10 to 15% of your budget players. Again, I thought this was probably the biggest chunk of players where we could have had multiple players, but we're only going to give you two here. I'll go first. I'm going with the rookie out of... BYU, Tyler Algier, 32% rostered on Sleeper, 16.8% on ESPN, and 18% on Yahoo. All of those are a lot higher than I ever expected. I'm willing to spend 12% of my fab on him. I may bump that up to 15 or 18 if I'm hurting at running back because we don't know what this backfield is going to look like now that Cordell Patterson is on IR and is out for four games. I think this may be the opportunity for Algier to take over. So I'm going 10 to 15% of the budget. I wouldn't start him this week. If I remember correctly, they've got a horrible matchup, but he's someone who I'm willing to spend more than a dart throw on because if he hits, then you got someone to fill in for your running back or a flex for the next four weeks at least. So Shane, it's funny that you mentioned Algier because I actually just finished writing about him today for my in-between column. I feel you say that now. I have concerns. Okay. Because what we saw on Sunday was kind of a committee with Cordero Patterson hurt. Cordero Patterson had like what, like three carries. But they brought in Caleb Huntley. They brought him up from the practice squad. Yep. His first, second career start. He's been inactive two weeks, played two weeks. After only having one carry in week two, Caleb Huntley had 10 carries. The exact same amount of carries they gave Algier. Yeah. For some reason, Caleb Huntley was the most trending player on Sleeper this morning. Algier was more efficient with his carries. He had 84 yards. I think Huntley had like 47, something around there, 47, 49 yards. I just don't, this is a bad team. And I worry that we're going to see Huntley and Algier split it. Algier has a little bit more passing upside. But also we're, I mean, we're, (laughs) it's been so bad injury-wise that we're at week five in the season and waiver wires look like week 12. (laughs) My home league, I've never seen waiver wires like this. It's like either they all started reading a lot of fantasy football content, which I know none of them did. That's the league that I'm in. Or is this a different home league? Okay. So uh, you're in the dynasty version. I'm talking about the redraft version. The redraft version is way more casual. (laughs) Like we just added Superflex in 2020 Uh and PPR. We just added PPR and Superflex in 2020. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. So I don't hate this call. Like I'll, I would spend five to 7% of my fab on Algier as a guy that I stash on the bench and see what happens this week. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, probably about that. I mean, I would honestly, Nate, be fine going 10% on Algier and 10% on Huntley if you can afford the roster spot. Yeah, I probably would be too. If you've got a cut, yeah. I mean, if you're just like riddled with injury, I mean, the guys we had go down this week, like Jonathan Taylor has a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. It could be three to four weeks before we see him. Javante Williams going down. That was killer. Yeah. Cordero Patterson, it's brutal. Yeah. It's just, it's brutal. So, speaking of Javante Williams going down, hit us with your guy. My guy's Mike Boone. Now, this has shifted a little bit since the Broncos just signed Latavius Murray off of the Saints practice squad. But I still think there's some value in Boone because, dude, the Melvin Gordon fumbles are just becoming such a huge problem. They now have, outside of Melvin Gordon, Mike Boone, zero career fumbles, has been in the league since 2018. They have Latavius Murray. I think he has one career fumble. One fumble in his last 380-something attempts, I think is what it was. Goodness gracious. So now you've got two guys with Sherman Eels. Melvin Gordon's got like 35 fumbles at the goal line. One of them returned for a touchdown. Like At a certain point, if you want to win, you can't ride with the guy. You didn't pay him a ton to stay, so that's okay. I feel like Boone's kind of a sleeper guy where this is going to go back to kind of a 50-50 split, but if there's enough volume and they rely on these guys enough, like they're both kind of fantasy viable. I wouldn't give up 10% of my fab for Boone now because I think his value just got a huge hit with the Murray signing, whether that's fair or not. You might not even have to claim this guy on waivers. And when waivers clear, he's just a free agent there on the street and you didn't spend a dime on him. I don't know about that because there's a lot of Javante Williams owners out there that are hurting literally and figuratively. And there's a lot of Melvin Gordon owners out there that are like, Oh shit, this guy keeps fumbling the ball. I need to go get his replacement. (laughs) Sure. Fair enough. I would be, I think in most leagues, when you get into leagues where you're playing with a bunch of analysts, and like people who are really into it in multiple leagues, high stakes stuff. Yeah. You're going to see Boone flying off waivers right now. He's 1% in Yahoo, 1% in ESPN and 0% in sleeper. Really? Yeah. I don't think that's going to shift much this week. I think people see the Latavius Murray signing, see that he played last week, had a good game in London. Think that there's a chance that Latavius Murray could contribute heavily in his first game. And I think Nathaniel Hackett's dumb enough to do that. I think it's a bad I mean, idea. We're coming. We're talking about a dude who played in London on Sunday, playing in a Thursday night game. That's yeah, just, that's not smart. At the very least, Boone has some pretty solid value this week, and maybe he'll fly off a little bit more because of that. But I don't think anybody's spending much fab on him. That's fair. Let's say you've got a let's say you've got a hundred dollar budget. Throw a buck or two bucks. You might have some other people that are throwing in a zero bid. Yeah. My how things change in like the two hours since I wrote all this. That's okay. We still love you. All right. I want to hear about yours because I really like this one. Uh, for dart throw? Yeah, I want to hear your dart throw. Yeah, so I... This one was me trying to be sneaky and trying to tell you guys to be sneaky. So Brian Robinson obviously was tragically shot right before the season started. There's rumor that he will be active and ready to play in week five, which is freaking awesome. Congrats to you. He is rostered currently in 56% of sleeper leagues, 37.4% of ESPN leagues, and 54% of Yahoo leagues. I'm willing to go throw look on my waiver wire and see if he's there. And if he is, I'm throwing 5% of my budget at him because the kid had a great preseason up until his Issue doesn't feel like the right word, but the event. And I think he, like, I'm not an Antonio Gibson guy at all. Haven't been since he's been in the league. And I think if Brian Robinson comes back and looks great, Antonio Gibson's stock is going to go way, way down. And Robinson's is going to go way, way up. And I don't know. I just have this gut feeling that I'm like, I, you got to, if Brian Robinson is there, you got to go get him. I love this because I can look, I don't like Antonio Gibson. Never been in on Gibson. I thought it was curious to take a player 
that high in the draft who had such minimal experience as actual running back. I think he would have been better served in like a demo role, but that's not how Ron Rivera does football. He wants a slight guy like Curtis Samuel to do it. It's silly, but I think Brian Robinson is the guy when he's a hundred percent, he's going to lead the team and carries every week. It's the dynamic yeah. they need. He's more of a power runner and yep. Ron Rivera offense is neat. People forget that Christian McCaffrey doesn't just do his shit outside the tackles. The guy runs very well down the middle. Yep. He's a power runner. He's got big legs and a big frame. He's got wide shoulders and he's powerful. He's a powerful runner when he's healthy. That's what Brian Robinson brings. That's what Antonio Gibson doesn't bring. Nor does JD McKissick. And Gibson has been struggling with fumbles too. So like, I really think Robinson, if he is there, you've got to go get him. Oh yeah, no, you have to. But that's why you listen to this show. That's why you listen to Nate and follow Nate on Twitter and follow me on Twitter is because you've got to be paying attention to those players that are hidden. And that's kind of what I'm going at with Robinson is people have probably forgotten about him because he was shot and was put on I or the pup and has been out. So there's not been a ton of news confirming. Yes, he's going to be back, but now is the time to go throw that dart at him and go get him on your roster. Yep. I agree. So a guy, I think you need to go get on your roster. That is an absolute dart throw that you can literally spend zero of your fab on Ben Squironic. I love it. Who is Okay. He's rostered in 0.9% of leagues on ESPN, 1% on Yahoo, 5% on Sleeper. I'm the probably just part of that 5% on Sleeper. <laughs> is, okay, right. I am too now. The thing about Skoranek is that Alan Robinson has been a ghost. Yep. RIP all of my Alan Robinson takes this offseason. And Van Jefferson, we don't know when he's going to be back, and it might not matter at this point. Stafford loves Squironic. He's sitting right around like a mid 80s snap share every week. Six targets, three targets, four targets, four catches, two catches, four catches. He's played well against Arizona. He had 66 yards receiving. The only thing missing right now from Squironic is a touchdown, but that's going to come. <clears throat> There's something off about this offense. I think they're trying to figure out who they are without that big time second receiver. They refuse to let Allen Robinson be. Well, to that point, Robinson, to me, at this point in his career, really his whole career, is not someone who's going to create a ton of separation. He's always been a contested catch guy, and whether that's been because of his— Stafford's favorite kind of receiver, though. Yeah, but he doesn't have—and I don't even—like, I don't know if Kenny Galladay necessarily had the speed, but he's not that kind of burner receiver that's going to go— streaking down the field and then get a contested catch. He's always there. I guess I said more red zone usage. Yeah. He'd be involved in like the jump balls. I think I wrote about that specifically one time for fantasy pros. This off season was like, he all of a sudden Cooper cups, not a jump ball guy. No, Cup was a finesse guy. Yeah. Alan Robinson's a jump ball guy. Calvin Johnson was his jump ball guy. And also a finesse guy. Calvin Johnson was just, Everything. That's why God on the field. Yeah. You know what makes me sad? What's he's, that? He's three years younger than me, and he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I, I think Squironics kind of wiggling himself into a bigger role. Before I came down to record with you, was watching the beginning of Monday Night Football. Yeah. And like they use him in so many different ways. Like they Are don't just line up a fullback. They were lining up as a tight end earlier tonight, like in line. They had him in this weird trips set where he was behind in between the tackle and the tight end yeah i did i just i think the way they're finding ways to use a guy when you see teams do that it's like demo samuel you just find a way to use the guy you want him on the field he's a good blocker he's becoming more valuable in the passing game i don't know what his stats are tonight i'd be curious to see that real quick but i mean what do you think you seem to like this guy i like him just because he went to notre dame and i uh despite the later draft capital, I thought he could, I wouldn't say be a consistent fantasy producer, but now that the Rams are using him like they are, I could see him getting to the point where he's flexible on certain weeks. As long as he continues to grow and grow within this offense easily. Cause that's the thing where 
Robinson lacks that Skoranek, I think, has is Skoranek does have some speed to him. He's got the ability to, to get down the field pretty well. At least that's what he did at Notre Dame. And so I really think that you're right, that he is kind of wiggling his way into this wide receiver two role, and they're going to keep creatively using him. So, yeah, I love this call, especially as a dart throw. Why not? I do, yeah, yeah. At this point, you're talking about guys that you probably don't have to pay up to get. I mean, yeah. You don't have to pay anything to get. I mean, it's always worth that last roster spot. Yeah, certainly. All right, you ready to do some starts and sits? Let's do it. Cool. I'm excited for this because this is the first time you've done this with me. So we may go a little rapid fire or just go quickly on the explanation. Yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep it quick. But uh, this one should be fun. So must start for the quarterback position. I'm going to go first just because I want to get this word vomit out of my mouth and get the nasty taste out. I cannot believe that I'm saying this. Start Carson Wentz this week against Tennessee. Tennessee's defense has not lived up to what I expected them to be, especially with a defensive head coach and Mike Vrabel. Don't know necessarily what's going on. They've kind of gotten their groove back, but the way that Carson Wentz has looked other than the Philly game, I think it might be worth starting Carson Wentz this week, and it pains me to say that. Well, against Tennessee, dude, like this whole team's bad. They might be the worst team in the NFL. Like I just, yeah, they're so bad. Have you watched the Panthers game? I mean, I know the Panthers. Okay, the Panthers. Okay, so Tennessee might be the third worst team. I'm I'm literally wearing a Panthers jacket, and I'm saying, have you watched a Panthers game? They're bad. No, and that's why I haven't watched a Panthers game. What am I there to watch? (laughs) So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna throw mine out. It's a weird one. I've kind of been low on this guy, but I think. We're seeing a change in him. He's turning into a butterfly in front of our eyes, Shane. Trevor Lawrence. Beautiful butterfly. This Jacksonville team is good. Yeah. I just said those words. Doug Peterson is damn wizard, man. He's got this offense rolling. Dude. They almost upset Philly, who is, I mean, at this point, they're the best team in the league. Yeah. You really beat that. They had a phenomenal draft. I hate to say it, but the Philadelphia Eagles had a phenomenal draft, including the trade for AJ Brown. Be fi- Look, you can crap on Urban Meyer. Oh, you're talking about this year. Philly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I thought you were going to say Jacksonville last year, and I was going to mm. crap on Urban Meyer, but he knows college talent. Yeah, but he can't manage a group of men, and that's what Doug Peterson no. is doing. He's exactly. actually leading the team. Philly. Philly had a great NFL draft this year, so I'm really like not surprised by their results. I'm not really surprised by Jacksonville either. Sorry to interrupt, but you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Doug Peterson is truly leading this team, which is what Urban Meyer never did. I knew he was going to turn the team around, Shane. That's not the thing. It's the thing for me is that I can't believe he's done it in four games. Yeah. In a preseason. And uh, Trevor Lawrence gets the, this, future Texans defense this week like it's kind of a slam dunk for points especially if we're talking super flex you have to start him if you're in a one QB league that's still I would start him because according to sleeper Houston is actually seventh best against quarterbacks in fantasy but they haven't played Trevor Lawrence yet that's true but they'd have put the they played Jalen Hurts, though. I mean, they played golf, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but they yeah, played they the did. Lions, right? Yeah. I mean, the Lions are the highest scoring team in the NFL right now, and Houston is still seventh against the quarterback in fantasy. So I actually was almost going to put him as a sit just so we could argue about it, but I'm not going to disagree with you because I love the point. So I'm curious about your sit. You're curious about my sit. My sit is Kirk Cousins. He's going against Chicago. They are the 13th best defense against fantasy quarterbacks. Their defense has actually been pretty good. It's what's been keeping them in games to make them two and two. I'm just not comfortable starting Cousins this week. There's really nothing more to it than he's been really inconsistent, and I don't want to start him against what I think is a good defense. I I think that's fair. I Cousins hasn't been I was hyped on Cousins kind of coming into the season with Kevin O'Connell and he just hasn't been what 
we wanted to see. He looked great in week one. He and did, then but what the hell happened? When a panel in Green Bay lets everybody be good against them week one. Yeah. And then they turn around and do Accurate. whatever they're going to do. So I'm going to go with, I don't like Zach Wilson against Miami this week. Yeah, I don't hate that call. I don't, I mean, I don't like Zach Wilson any week, but for some reason people are like liking him. And so I'm just going to tell you, if you like him, don't start him against Miami. Start him any other time. Miami, terrible matchup for Wilson. Yeah, no, Miami's defense has been phenomenal, in my opinion, and uh, they're probably going to be trying to battle back for Tua. So let's move on to the running backs. I'm going to go first here. It's funny that you picked Travis or Trevor Lawrence. I'm going Travis Etienne. I'm going to keep picking him in matchups where it makes sense to start him. This is one of those. Houston is actually bad against fantasy running backs, and I'm just waiting for Jacksonville to start using him how they should be. And I know James Robinson has been a great success story, but you got to get your best and most talented players on the field and get them the ball. And I think ETN ultimately long-term will be better than Robinson. So I'm hoping that this is a kind of breakout game for ETN. I like it. I mean, I think this is a good matchup for Peterson to kind of get him out there. Yeah. And you've been nervous starting with how well Robinson's been playing, but Robinson County came back down to earth last week. And it, granted, it was a slow yeah. game, but also you would think that would have lended it more to Robinson's kind of like ground and pound style. Yeah. But Etienne's going to get more involved. Like, it, it, yeah. He was Trevor Lawrence's college teammate. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I've, I've been preaching, I've been preaching patience with him because it's basically his rookie year and coming off a significant injury. Right. So I'm thinking this might be the turning point. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Who is your must start this week? I really like Khalil Herbert against literally anybody. But I like him <laughs> this week against the Vikings. Khalil Herbert's a stud. The reason you should read my in-between media column in dashbetweenmedia.com every week as Shane is stripping. I told you ahead of week two to go get Khalil Herbert because he was going to be the lead back in this offense. And if not the lead back, he was going to be the pass catching guy and the change of pace back that was changing pace more often than David Montgomery was setting the pace. Khalil Herbert's just ultra talented. We saw it last season. Justin Fields likes him. Matt Eberflus likes him. I love him. And I don't care what yeah. the matchup is. I mean, obviously he's not your RB1, but this is an RB2 flex play this week. I feel like as a Viking, his floor is probably around 12 to 14 points. I think that's his floor all, honestly. Pretty much every week. (laughs) And uh, I love this call. I told you, I told listeners last week, go get Khalil Herbert because David Montgomery was likely going to be out. And I saw this as the opportunity for Khalil Herbert to usurp David Montgomery as the starter. And now that's the second week in a row I've gotten to use the word usurp talking about Khalil Herbert. Let's go. It's the little things getting to use the big words. Yep. So I love this call. Phenomenal call. All right. I'm throwing it to you on the sits first for this position. I love your call. It makes a ton of sense to me. And I don't love this player in general anyway. So we'll see. That's the difference between you and me because I do love this player. Look, you've got to sit James Conner against Philly this week. If you've got to stream another running back that has a good matchup, do it. This matchup is awful. And Arizona's offense, like, the Clef Kingsbury experiment needs to probably be over in Arizona. This just isn't working. Look, the college football coach bowl last week in Carolina just proved that both Matt Rule and Cliff Kingsbury need to be fired. Yeah, 100%. This team's too talented. Yeah, absolutely. I was told this defense was going to be good. They should be on paper. They really should be. They're just miscoached. That aside, look, they're playing Philly this week. Philly is a freight train. Arizona's going to be lucky to score two touchdowns. Neither one of them will be James Conner. He's dinged up. About that time of year for James Conner to be dinged up. Guy's a great story. You just can't start him this week. They're still he's still fantasy viable most of the season. But an injured James Conner against Philly, that's just a bad idea. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. 
I, yours, I actually agree with. I didn't think I... Let's go. I didn't have the ways to say sit Zeke Elliott because I think Zeke will... Zeke's the RB1 in that offense with no matter what people will want to say. And if Dak is back, I think Dak prefers Zeke to, to Pollard. If Dak's not, I still think Zeke is the RB1. So this week against the Rams, I am sitting Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard did not look good last week. The Rams have the best defensive player in the league in Aaron Donald, and the Cowboys' offensive line is hashtag not good. So they're going to have to find a way to get people open and get people the ball. And I like I just I don't trust Pollard. And I do like I think what ultimately it will come down to is Zeke is a phenomenal pass blocker, and they're going to have to use Zeke simply to pass block. I like your point about the pass blocking because people don't think about that when we're looking at snap shares. I think about it way too much. It's like Cole commits on the field a ton, but he's also a blocker. And they, yeah. They run the ball a lot. So yeah, of course he commits on the field. And yeah. He's not going to get a lot of opportunity in a terrible offense. I love Tony Pollard. I think he's the better running back of the two. He's younger. He's got fresher legs. Zeke is not washed. But Zeke is like what Emmett Smith was in Arizona. Like there's still something there. There's still talent, but he's not the powerhouse he was yeah, three or four seasons ago. He's not going to do the same thing for your offense. Therefore, they need Tony Pollard. However, this is a game where two things. I think they're going to they have to play the downfield game yeah. to win. Whether it's Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott. And two. I think having Michael Gallup back affects Tony Pollard more than most people realize because Gallup likes those intermediate routes that Pollard was feeding on in the passing game. It was getting him on the field more often with Gallup back. Those are kind of gone for him. I absolutely love that call. So yeah, sit Tony Pollard this week. All right. I don't know what that noise was. I apologize, people. It was me trying to make a reverse noise, but it didn't work. It's almost 11 o'clock. I didn't sleep well last night. We're going to reverse it, though, Nate, and start with sits on the wide receivers and tight ends. So I'll kick it off. My sit for this week is Drake London against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, I think, has one of the better and more underrated corners in the league in Carlton Davis. And yes, I'm biased because he went to Auburn, but I'm also just speaking the truth. He's good. He's a good cover corner, in my opinion. And if they're smart, they'll put him on Drake London. Actually, if they're smart, they'll put him on Kyle Pitts. But who knows with Atlanta at this point? And I really just, I don't think the quarterback, plus that's the other part of it too. Tampa Bay's defensive line is so freaking nasty that whoever's the quarterback, because I th- th- there's some inklings or rumors that Ritter may get in there. I don't care if it's Mariota. I don't care if it's Ritter. This defensive line is going to be way too good and get too much pressure on whoever the quarterback is that they're not going to have time to find Drake London. And so I'm sitting Drake London this week. Yes, for all the things you said, plus they don't have Cordero Patterson, so they can't hide with the run game at all. <clears throat> yep. There, this offense is in trouble. Yeah. Now, I would love to be proven wrong here and for Desmond Ritter to actually get the start and come in and prove me wrong because I'm a huge Desmond Ritter guy, but I don't see that happening this week. This is the absolute worst case scenario for Ritter. Yeah. No, I completely agree. If they do that to him, Arthur Smith should be fired. Yeah. I mean, he should be fired Could anyway, be. but beside the point. Probably. All right, hit us with your sit, and this is ballsy, I think, but I like it. So I'm telling you to sit Marquise Brown this week. He's still nursing that ankle injury from last week. We saw somewhat reduced usage last week against Carolina, which isn't a good sign facing Philly this week. We'll see how the health report goes. I'm not really willing to risk it against Darius Slay and James Bradbury because yeah. they don't have enough firepower receiver to get away from two of the best corners in football. And Kyler Murray isn't a good enough quarterback, and he's not going to have enough time because the offensive line is horrible. 
they were 31 of 32 in my offensive line rankings. Ew. Two cycles in a row. They didn't get better, but they didn't get worse than the Chicago Bears. So at least there's that. I mean, the Bears signed Alex Leatherwood. That's all you need to know. Just, just, <laughs> look, just this isn't a week. I like Marquise Brown until DeAndre Hopkins is back. I don't know how much value he has after that. He's a target hog. It might be a target hog in this game too, but I don't see him. I don't see him having more than two or three catches against his Look, defense. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. Darius Slay has scared me off of any wide receiver playing against him. And I don't know if it is simply because Kirk Cousins was absolutely garbage in that game or what, but he shut down Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson is a bad man. Like, Justin Jefferson is one of those guys that I think can truly be open on any play because he's just that good. And Darius Slay, I think, had, what, two picks when Cousins was throwing to him? Dude, he shut down Christian Kirk. Christian yeah. Kirk had two catches on nine targets. He hasn't had fewer than yeah. six catches this season. <clears throat> Dinged him. Yeah. It sent him back from, like, wide receiver six to wide receiver ten on the yeah. season. So, yeah, so I I'm just not don't, touching him. I don't mess with Darius. No, I don't mess with that secondary. It's not worth it. You can find other options most of the time. Yeah, so great call. All right. I'm very intrigued by your start, so I want to hear yours first. So I'm going Josh Reynolds, the uh, Detroit Lions wide receiver against New England. I was touting him week one. I like this guy. He was going largely undrafted. He's had 12 PPR points, 14 PPR points, and then last week against Seattle, he had 19 PPR points. He's got two touchdowns, but the most important thing is he's making the most of his opportunities. He was three targets, three catches against the commanders. Week two, mm-hmm. 10 targets, six catches against Minnesota in week three, seven of eight for 81 yards and a touchdown against Seattle last week. And Seattle's defense has not been a slouch. Their secondary is better than most people ex- expected it to be. They've had a pretty stout run defense for the most part. Josh Reynolds is a part of this offense. I don't care if Amon Ross playing. I don't care if DJ Chark is playing. It doesn't matter. And he's a guy that you can get for, I mean, he's rostered in 33% of leagues on sleeper. You can still go get him. So if you've been bit by the injury bug at wide receiver, just go for it. Get Josh Reynolds and start him this week against New England. Yeah, I like that. Are you... I mean, you said you're not worried about Amon Ra coming back. I mean, I don't really know if the Patriots secondary is really good enough to be scared of. Do they worry you at all? No. Okay, that's fair. I mean, they looked good against Green Bay, but like Green Bay's wide receivers aren't stellar, so let's stop that. Yeah. I like it. It makes sense. But here's, I guess here's my final question for you on Reynolds. Where, like, do you see him finishing as a wide receiver too, or is this more as a flex play? Flex. Okay. For okay. now. If he, get, if he gets more opportunity, he could be a wide receiver too by end of season, but more likely just a flex play. Sure. All right. I'm going with one, a guy that I love. I have made the potential hot take that he is a better true wide receiver than Debo Samuel. And that may not look great after tonight with the play that Samuel made, but I'll stick to my guns going Brandon. Ayuk against Carolina. Anybody against Carolina. Shut up. I'm sorry, Shane. I know dude, I'm suffering through. We were supposed to be good, but now we have the most socially awkward quarterback on the face of the planet. That's fair. Dude, like with Carolina, their defense has been okay in my opinion, but the offense isn't scoring enough points to where the defense is just on the field too much. So I think by the end of this game, Ayuk and Debo and probably Kittle are all just going to rack up the fantasy points against this team. So I, Ayuk got a bump. Yeah. When they brought, when Jimmy G became the starter. I mean, 
they were building a rapport last season. Once Jimmy G gets rolling, Ayuk is going to be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, he's already I, he looked great tonight, in my opinion. Yep. So I'm really looking forward to more of it. All right, let's jump over to tight end sits. I'm going to start. This guy's pissed me off. He's not playing up to the level of his talent or his athleticism. He's got a not great, but not horrible matchup in the Jets, and it's Mike Gesicki. Sit Mike Gesicki. This is, I've said this before. There are times where I will sit a player in fantasy because I need them to prove it to me. And this is the case with Gesicki. I need him to really get in there and actually prove that he can do what you drafted him for, which is a tight end one, and he's not doing it so far. So sit Gesicki. Hope he gets right on your bench. And uh, or hope he's sucks like I think he's going to and be happy you benched him. So who's your so Shane? My sit this week it's Pat Fryermith. I love the guy, ultra talented tight end. In three or four weeks, I'm hoping that I'm saying start this man every week. Kenny Pickett's first start is this week against Buffalo. Worst case scenario for Kenny Pickett, I think he'll be okay. I think the team realizes this is an impossible situation. But Buffalo's been phenomenal against tight ends. So you really, this is just, it's very simple. You can't start him. Yeah, I I almost cheated on the quarterback and put Kenny Pickett, but I felt like, like at this point in the season, if you're starting Kenny Pickett, you've probably given up and aren't listening to this show. So I didn't put Pickett. But that, I mean, to me, especially against Buffalo for his first start, he threw three interceptions when he came in the game last week. You can't start him, and I don't know if you can really start anybody with confidence of his that are his weapons, except Najee. Even that is not, like, Najee's been disappointing too. To be fair to Pickett, he was 10 of 13. Three interceptions. He completed all of his passes. Three just were to the other team. Yeah, that's a problem. But dude, go back and watch. Go back and watch those. Okay, there were throws that there were catches. Yeah, that the, I know one was the Claypool was was on Claypool, is what I saw. So I like Kenny Pickett in like three weeks when he gets accustomed to this offense. I think there's enough talent around him; he'll be okay. Yeah, but we still got um, about Ben Roethlisberger in it. Mm-hmm. But Ben Roethlisberger also didn't have an arm, so. Yeah, he was like 80. Except we're. <laughs> I was waiting for you to make that statement. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. What were you about to say? I'm going to jump over to have my start. This is an easy one. The Arizona Cardinals defense is the worst defense in the league against tight ends. It's funny how that happened again. Philadelphia, <laughs> right? Philadelphia has Dallas Godert. So just go yeah, start. It's really that simple. All right. And I'm hoping for a get right game with Dawson Knox versus Pittsburgh. I don't know. What's his, Crowder? Crowder broke his ankle. Jameson Crowder. Yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping that, no offense to him, kind of. Moves Knox up the pecking order just because of the injury. And all four... McKenzie's got the... Yeah, so it's basically Diggs, Davis, and Knox in the passing game. And Davis is dinged up. Yeah. I feel like this is a good week for Knox. All right, let's jump down to some defenses. So I'll start with my starts because I gave you two. And the reason I gave you two is one of them is on Thursday night. And that's actually Denver versus Indianapolis. Indianapolis has looked better, but they're still not great. And Denver's defense has been pretty good. So start Denver if you've got them. And then my backup plan to that, in case you don't want to start a Thursday night defense, is actually Detroit versus New England. Worst case scenario, New England is starting Bailey Zappi, which, yes, he set all kinds of records at Western Kentucky. He looked fine, I think, against the Packers. But I just, like, it, it, it's his first start. And Detroit, like, they should be angry because they are literally the highest scoring team in the league, I think, at this point, and are 1-3. and three. So they really need this win. I think they're going to end up teeing off whoever the quarterback is because I think best-case scenario is you've got a hobbled Mac Jones 
or you've got a hobbled Brian Hoyer. So give me Detroit's defense. There's no way Mac Jones yeah. is playing. Not with a high yeah. ankle sprain. I completely agree with you on both of these. I think you're going to completely agree with me yeah. on mine. I'm taking the Washington Commanders defense against Tennessee because Tennessee is just hurt. I feel like Hurts someone else hurt. in their offense is hurt, but I can't remember who. Probably. Ryan Tannehill's been putrid. Yeah. You just Derek Henry's the lone bright spot, but he can't carry this team on his back. I don't know, man. It, so, am I sit? I'm sitting the Cleveland defense against the Chargers because I'm just waiting for Justin Herbert to get like super mad and have like this game where they put up 60 points against somebody. It would probably. Be I hope it is Cleveland. Game. Me too. I like watching them lose too. All right, and my sit is the Giants versus Green Bay. Despite the Giants being 3-1, and one, I don't want to start anybody against Aaron Rodgers for the most part. Nope. And I really think Green Bay is very close to having one of those games where they just absolutely destroy someone. And unfortunately, I think that's going to be the Giants, at least unfortunately for Giants fans. Sorry, Jay. But yeah, that's my sit for this week. So. Good job. We got through that pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, we did. All right. We should get through this next part pretty quickly. So let's do some trading time. So we're going to do buy highs. Oh, shoot. I didn't put a buy low. Nate's going to do a buy low, and then Nate is going to review the trade that I made that we talked about earlier in the show, and then we may get to a couple questions after that. Buy high, Nate, so I can give you a little break in talking. You start. All right. So... Give me all of the Saquon Barkley. He's about all this offense has in New York. I don't know what you're and talking about. Dan- Danny Dimes scored two rushing touchdowns. Right? The week that I decided to put him in my DFS lineups, and it actually paid off for me, which is awesome. Dude, what's not to love about Saquon Barkley? He's looked electric. Oh, I'm right there with you. He's now two years removed from that ACL tear. Like, go get him. He's a guy who's going to be a league winner for the next like three, four, or five seasons. Yes. Top five running back every year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Your pro- what what are you willing to pay for him? And what you put on the show sheet, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, is not enough. A 2023 first. I probably here's the hard thing, is that you've got to look sure. at your team. If I'm sitting on a team with Jonathan Taylor and your guy and like my buy low candidate, which I think is crazy. He's a buy low candidate. But if I've got those guys, I'm not interested in Saquon Barkley yeah. right now. So I'm willing to pay less. But if my running backs are Javante Williams mm-hmm. and Cordell Patterson and Zeke, I'm probably making a move to get a 2023 first and then packaging that with my 2023 first in a vet. Yeah. I think Saquon's worth at least two firsts right now. Easily. So, two firsts and a decent starter. All right. I want to hear yours. I'm so excited. I like it. I'm so excited, man. I have had J.K. Dobbins on my home league dynasty since the 2020 rookie draft. And in his rookie year, it worked out fine because I was tanking. And then 2021, he missed. And I thought that was going to be the year that I was going to be able to kind of flip from tanking to at least pretending and making the playoffs. But I didn't. This year, it's finally hitting. And now Dobbins is coming back. And I think his ceiling is borderline RB1. Now, the really encouraging... Like, dinner? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think he... I can buy that. The really encouraging part from this past week was his usage in the red zone. So he's getting valuable touches and potentially will get touchdowns. Well, he had two touchdowns. And then the other part is he's slowly getting worked back into this offense, so he's going to get volume. And that's what, like, everyone 
has always, I feel like, been kind of discouraged on Dobbins because of Lamar. But at its core, I feel like this team wants to run the ball. And in as yes, much as possible. And in 20, 2020, I think it was, they ran like 555 times. I don't think they're going to be that. 2021, they threw a lot more because all of their running backs got hurt. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to be some kind of happy medium where they probably have somewhere between 400 and 450, maybe 500 pass attempts and 400 to 500 carries as a team. I Lamar's probably getting what? 100 carries for this season, 125-ish. Gus Edwards still isn't back. He usually gets somewhere in that 140 range. And Dobbins is the best running back on this team. He finally is getting healthy. He scored touchdowns in the red zone. Go get him now because while I'm calling him a buy high, I still think his price can go higher as he gets healthier and gets more volume. Because he's just a, he's a talented player and has always been efficient. So Lamar Jackson, historically, 147, 176, 159, 134 carries over his career. He already has 37 this season. Easily 125 carries for Jackson. But like you said, this is a team that wants to run the ball. The last season, Lamar Jackson was fully healthy in 2020. They only threw the ball like 420 yeah. times. They're like a 40-60 split when Lamar is healthy, which is interesting because I was down on Mark Andrews because of that. It's turned out Mark Andrews is a wide receiver one. We should have been down on everybody else outside. There's a lot of value in this backfield. And J.K. Dobbins is a prime example of that. I love this one. I would be going out to get Dobbins too. I'm going to, I'm going to, can I do my buy low real quick? This will be quick because we already talked about it. Yeah, but I'm going to throw you a curveball and give you a buy low from a dynasty perspective because at this point, we don't know who his quarterback is going to be next year, and it's DJ Moore. Oh, I still think, I I still think DJ Moore has the talent to, once he can get more than four touchdowns in a season, be a wide receiver one. I don't disagree with that. I want to see. I think it's Matt Corral. Yeah. I uh, probably whatever new regime comes in, they probably they roll with Matt Corral or they use a high first round pick on a quarterback. I think that's like what I they're going to do. If they're smart, they build up that offensive line. That's what they really need to do. But if they're smart, they find a stupid team and they get out from underneath that Christian McCaffrey contract to spend the money elsewhere, but that's just me anyways. So I'm going to go with Go, go, go. <laughs> Khalil Herbert, I've already told you a million reasons during this podcast why, if you didn't listen to those parts and you're just listening to this part, it's very simple. He is the RB1 on a team that can only do one thing, even mediocrely. That's run the ball. That's all the Chicago Bears can do. This team is not giving Justin Fields a chance to blossom as a quarterback. He may never get that opportunity. Matt Nagy, Shane, stop it. Matt Nagy might have ruined this guy's opportunity to be a good NFL quarterback. And they didn't make it any better hiring Matt Everflus, who shouldn't even be. Can't run something that's hard in the consideration to the head coach. I like Khalil Herbert. I think Khalil Herbert's a guy who's talented enough to be a force for the next two to three seasons. <clears throat> you can get him for almost yeah. nothing. Like a third round pick and a bench veteran. And you should probably go do that before his value to I tried in my home league dynasty, but the guy that has Herbert has Montgomery and wants to sell them together, and I don't feel like paying up for both. <sighs> All right, let's talk about my trade that I made this week. So... I'm going to read you my starting lineup and then we'll talk about the trade because I can, because it's my podcast. I can do what I want. So this is a one QB, two running back, three wide receiver, tight end, and three flex. Dynasty League. Starting lineup is Justin Herbert, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Justin Jefferson, normally Amon Ross St. Brown, T. Higgins, Dalton Schultz, Cortland Sutton, J.K. Dobbins, Chris Godwin, and then Cole Komet potentially as a flex. 
So the trade that I made was I sent Donovan Peoples-Jones, Greg Dortch, two 2023 seconds, two 2023 thirds, and a 2023 fourth to a rebuilding team for Zach Ertz, Tyler Lockett, Devin Singletary, and I thought that Joe Mixon might miss, so I got him to throw in Samaj P. Ryan. What do you think? So I think I'm fine getting off DPJ. We keep waiting for him to be something, and he never is. He's that like one to two target deep threat guy that might get a third or fourth target in the game. It's been and a lot of his targets aren't paying off. We'll see where he's. And I, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna get hot takey here for a second. Sean Watson is not going to be good. At least not. I don't hate that. Did you see him in the preseason? It's been too long since the guy played football. Especially meaningful football. Let's be honest. Especially meaningful football. And let's be honest. Like, we got such a small sample size of him. Like, yeah, he had a great season, but so did Ryan Tannehill. And now what are we talking about? Like, this guy has been anointed king of quarterbacks way too soon. He hasn't played football. It will be a a season plus 11 games since the last time this guy played any football. I'm out on anything that isn't David and Joku and Nick Chubb. You went Kareem Hunt's backfield. Nope. I don't think Kareem Hunt has enough standalone value. If you're in a multiple flex league like this, you have three flex players, three flex plays, okay. But in a normal standard casual league, Kareem Hunt, you, you've got better options. I also like that you're unloading on Greg Dortch. Yeah. Because I think his value is Torch. Rondell Moore is healthy. He was more involved. Dortch had one target against Carolina. That tells you everything yeah. you need to know. You got rid of some second and third round picks in a fourth. Those aren't really super valuable. With this mind. class, they are. But, but you got... But dude, you've got yeah. Hurts, who I would rather be starting over Dalton yeah. Schultz. No, I'm I started I like Lockett. So the lineup that I read you is my normal starting lineup. The lineup I started this week, I started three out of the four players that I traded for. I had Tyler Lockett in because St. Brown was out. I had Ertz in because I wasn't sure if Schultz was gonna play. I ended up playing Schultz. And then I started Devin Singletary as a flex because I wasn't confident in J.K. Dobbins this week yet, and I wasn't right. I didn't know if Chris Godwin was going to play, so I went with the safer plays and went with those guys instead. Like Samaj P. Ryan, I don't hate that because Mixigan has been wildly inefficient. Yeah. He's just he's not looked good. If that continues, P. Ryan's probably going to get an increased role because they're going to have to because Cincinnati looks yeah. terrible. Yeah. So my old, I like this trade for you. I think you. I mean, you won the trade. What, for you. The cool thing is, Nate, with this trade, both teams won. Like the commissioner is Dom F F F L, and uh, he commented in our league chat on Sleeper. He was like, "Great trade to the other guy," because he was trying to keep him active because he's not one of our. Or active owners. But I agreed with him. Like, I was worried when I sent it that I was giving up a little too much. But I think long term, because I'm trying to compete this year. I'm tired of tanking. I think I've got the pieces to compete for a championship. Definitely make the playoffs. And I needed some real depth. And I feel like I got it with this trade. So what would you give it on A to to F scale? A minus. I like that. You got good pieces, man. I don't know what I don't know what Zach Ertz's long term value is, but I think for Lockett, he's a guy you're going to be able to rely on for a while. And if you're in win now mode, like this is a great cool. move for you. I thought so too. All right, let's wrap it up. I feel like that was a great episode. Lots of fun. A little bit of technical difficulties, but I'll be able to edit those out. So, Nate, tell people where they can find you and anything and everything you would like to plug. I am the co-owner with. The wonderful Seth Wilcock and my beautiful, wonderful, amazing wife, Jit Paul, with In Between Media. We write a mix of lifestyle and fantasy advice. I specifically wrote today about how much being a kid actually sucks, even though we romanticize it as adults. Plus, I've got three players that I think, four players actually, 
that I think you need to either love on the waiver wire or hate. I also write for Fantasy Pros. I'm a new contributor for Player Profiler at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Everything else, you can find me at Nate Paulvote on Twitter. I've got a link tree. It's got links to all my YouTubes. I am literally live four days a week between YouTube and Twitter. <laughs> yes, people, he's that busy and that tired. It's true. Dude, I've been working since... So I put in 12 and a half hours. Solid. Solitude. Wouldn't trade it for the world. This is awesome. I'm happy for you, man. I get to talk football with my friends. I'm very happy for you, man. You've been putting in the work for a while. So thank you for coming on and, and gracing us with your presence. Make sure you guys follow him again at Nate Polvote. You can follow... Me on Twitter at FFShaneB. You can follow the show at FFRZRedemption. And we are on all of your podcasting networks. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, whatever they're calling it now. And ultimately, want to thank you guys again for listening. Share with your friends, share with your family if they're into this kind of thing. If not, share with them anyway because I need the followers. So I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. And this is Red Zone Redemption, a Roto Heat production where we help you make the moves to redeem your fantasy.